We're delving into the belly of the beast on this week's Gaming the Podcast as Stace Harmon and myself, John Robertson, discuss and explore Resident Evil 1's mansion. What makes it so revered? How has it stood the test of time so well? And how does its design impact everything that occurs in the game? As a heads up, next week's episode is also about the original Resident Evil, although from a more all-encompassing holistic perspective, and that's to celebrate the game's 25th anniversary, which falls on the 22nd of March 2021. Don't forget you can come chat with us on Twitter about all things Resident Evil and all things gaming. We are at Indie by Design. And check out our website, IndieByDesign.net, to check out and get yourself a copy of our video game books, which include Oddworld Abe's Origins and 20 Double Fine Years, which are made in conjunction with Oddworld Inhabitants and Double Fine Productions, respectively. Again, that's IndieByDesign.net. And so, on with the episode, and here's Stace Harmon. We've been talking a lot recently about single location game spaces, and I think that conversation has to start and certainly include for a large part the mansion in the original Resident Evil game, which I think for me is one of the most iconic and one of the greatest single location game spaces uh, of the last 20 odd, 25 years. But what is it, do you think, that makes it so iconic? What makes it so what are its strengths? Why does it work both from a gameplay perspective and also from a thematic standpoint? Yeah. Um, well, from a, from a thematic standpoint, I guess, I guess one of the big things in its favor, certainly at the time, I remember first playing that and just like before we get into any of like the deeper questions about why, why it's a great, like why it's a great game mm-hmm. space. Like, it just looked great. Didn't they? like like this, mm. the static mm-hmm. backgrounds that Capcom used and uh, the detail that they could that they could draw that they could draw from that and the lighting that they could apply to that and the, you know the static camera angles so it was you know very yeah. cinematic like they, yeah. they they could they could control the visual element completely uh, and you can you compare that to other games at the time and that you know they're using like sort of fully like three D geometry and textures applied to the walls and stuff mm. like. Um, something like Tomb Raider, which yeah, came out, you know, around yeah. the same I mean, time. Yeah, yeah, you compare yeah. the the backgrounds, the the environment graphics of Tomb Raider to Resident Evil, and it's, I mean, it's it's just incomparable, really. <laughs> um, I think not until like Res Two or Final Fantasy Seven as well had brilliant backgrounds, mm-hmm. but again, they were static mm-hmm. background. Um, so from that angle, it was just kind of, don't know, just I don't want to say awestruck because it's a bit sort of sick, sycophantic, yeah, but, but you know, it's visually arresting. It's the kind yeah, of thing that sure. sticks with you for sure. Yeah, yeah. So that's um, yeah. So then it looked great. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it just had it just had this impact, just this incredible visual impact and, and you know, it's not long after like the NES era as well. Uh, no, sorry, not mm. NES, the SNES era. Uh, yeah. And the Mega Drive, um, uh, you know, you're coming from yeah. like the best looking games there, like Zelda, Mario, and then you're coming into Resident Evil like a couple of years later. It's like, what the hell? What what's happened? Like, yeah. just incredible leap. Um, but I think, but it also stands up, doesn't it? Because it's like it's not like oh, it was amazing for its time, and that is its single biggest contribution. That, that it was a watershed moment and no more. Like you go back and play it, like we have both done recently, and there is a lot on a game design level mm. and a, a narrative level that's going on as as well as just that yeah. it looks pretty awesome yeah well, well i think um so you know this this idea of of the illusion of space in video games is is not new like it's it's, it's spoken about a lot usually in a way of making the game space feel a lot bigger a lot more 
real i guess that like the mm. the the adventure that you're taking part in happens in a in a larger space it's not just the these corridors these doors these buildings this field or whatever is the only place on earth mm. or the only place that the, the the entire um some parts of of this world it's that it takes place in something bigger so i'm thinking like you know the the famous opening train uh monorail system uh, opening in Half Life, where you're going along and seeing mm-hmm. the different building, uh, see, seeing all the different um, rooms and through the windows, makes makes you know the the base seem really big. And Journey is also very good at this. Like it seems like you're in this open plane all the time, like there's this yeah. sort of sandy desert plane, but actually you're Both not. Both of them give you horizons of sorts. Don't yeah, they? they give you, they show you things that you. That's in, in one case you may get to at some point, and in the other case you perhaps will never get to. You'll mm. never see some of these things. They're just there for for yeah. setting but it's giving you it's starting big and then narrowing in yeah yeah so so they use illusion of space to you know make make everything seem grand and you're part of this grand story uh call of duty does it as well in single player uh yes it's a corridor shooter for the most part although that's a bit unfair because it's not always but but a, a lot of most of most call of duty campaigns are kind of typically corridor shooters but they do a great job of making it seem like you know you, there might be only this one road in this town that you that mm. that the firefight is happening in mm-hmm. but but the whole town is kind of rendered around you yeah um yeah. and that does do a good job of making it feel like you're taking part in something bigger than bigger than just you firing a gun at someone um but resident evil does resident evil one mansion does have the illusion of space as well but it does it in a very different way so instead of showing you things it locks things away from you but shows you the lock and in this case the door so when you first go into that mansion there's only one door that you can go in but there's lots of doors you can immediately go upstairs and look around and do whatever you want and all the doors are closed so there's the illusion of space in that there's a promise of something uh being behind that door that is presumably going to be interesting and going to lead to some new area um so it makes the mansion feel really big on a level design uh playing space degree but by not actually showing you what's there, it, it keeps that claustrophobia, it keeps the mystery, it keeps the kind of tension and horror really high. So, um, And the um, mystery is key to that, I think, isn't it? Because the, because they could have had a flyover shot in the helicopter where you see the entire complex. They, that yeah. could have been a very specific thing, and they chose very much not to do that. So, yeah, that, that mystery is certainly retained in by shooting it in that way yeah it's an odd um it's an odd thing actually because yes when you say that so i'd never really thought about this before but presumably the characters do have a sense of how big the mansion is because they've seen it uh, when running up to it and then i've seen how wide it is and how many stories there are at least i I would assume Mm. Um, in passing though because they are being they are being chased by rabbits and dogs and it is night time (laughs) and there's trees yeah I just thought, yeah. Um, yeah, but I think on replaying it, that was one of the most interesting things because the mansion does have the illusion of space by what's behind that door. That, that sort mm-hmm. of, you know, that typical, very standard horror question. Mm. Um, but yeah, it does it in a really clever way, so as not to limit the um, the feeling of claustrophobia and horror. So it, it limits the space both physically um mm. through having a large mansion but locked doors but then also kind of psychologically at the same time and i think that's um it, it's one of those things that's really obvious i suppose like it's not like uh it's not like a super great insight but like it is one of those things that you i guess 
you need to actively think about in order to notice just how skillfully that has been achieved. Yeah. And that's, yeah. And I think those, yeah, the locked doors are, are very important to that sense of choice as well, because although you feel like you, well, I think initially it feels like you do have choice. You find out the doors are locked subsequently, but then you understand that at some point you will go behind those doors. You mm. will find out what's going on. And so that is far more effective than just presenting you with a, you walk in, there's a single door in front of you and that's it. You can't go anywhere else. And they're not showing you anywhere else. It's like, they, I will get to go to these places at some point, a bit like in, I don't know, any given Metroidvania game where you understand that you can get to locations at some point later on, once you have the requisite key, you know, key or, yeah. yeah. Well, well, I think that's an important McGuffin. point, actually. Yeah. I think that's an important point because you do know that you're going immediately you do know at some point you will go there because it doesn't mm. just say this door is locked it says this door is locked and it has the shield emblem or it has the mm -hmm. uh the helmet emblem or whatever it's the other emblems are yeah. yeah so so it's giving you just enough so it's mystery again again i suppose that that's that simple bit of text saying the what kind of emblem it is as the mystery because okay i know that there's a key here with a symbol on it but you don't know where that symbol is or, or well, you, don't, sorry, yeah. you do know where the symbol is. It's on that key, but you don't know where the key is and yeah. you don't know yeah. what that symbol means. And you don't know if, and you start to make links as well. So like if you see, okay, there's two or three doors with the same symbol and you, then you don't have that symbol yet and you can't unlock any of them. It's like, okay, are those doors linked in any way? Is, is something mm -hmm. behind mm -hmm. them going to have some sort of connection? And, you know, it doesn't. Is, is one, but, one an exit, one an entry? Like, is, is that going to link round? Am I going to go in here and come out here at some point or something mm -hmm. to that effect? And those, yeah, those multiple keys tell you that it doesn't, yeah, it's not just, oh, it's, you need the key. It's like you need a particular type of key. That's telling you, oh, there's multiple keys. That's It's sort of yeah. feeding into the the design yeah um so um yeah the illusion of space that limiting of space um because it's, it's a game of a lot of kind of um paradoxes i suppose because the the, the game is all about uh having things big but feel claustrophobic having you being having agency over what you do or perceived agency over what you do, but then limiting everything to barely oh. any ammo, barely oh. any health. Like, uh, so yeah, I guess the mansion is, is another form of that, those kind of conflicts that the game's always forcing, forcing yeah. upon you to deal with. And well, that, and that I think feeds in also to the more you explore the mansion and you, un you find those keys, you unlock the doors the more the unfamiliar becomes familiar and also in having you crisscross back through the mansion, which I think is often, I mean, uh, you know, we've done it as well. We called it, talk about it in terms of backtracking. It's a different thing though. It doesn't mean backtracking also is, is often used in a derogatory way. And it doesn't, certainly doesn't mean that, but it is a, I kind of view it as a, this like crisscrossing back and back and forth, which it just happens that the thing that you need is over here and you need to put that in a, in a keyhole or whatever it might be in some other direction and you're passing through that same space over and over again so you're opening up you're exploring the mansion you're making it a more familiar space which then allows that to be subverted because other things can be introduced that then make those spaces unfamiliar again you might run down a corridor you've run down a few times but then all of a sudden there's you know there's a crash through the window or whatever it might be or there's a zombie just around the corner or a hunter later in the game that hadn't been there previously and that allows that to for you to be kept on edge which ties into the safe room stuff which is the only place you know you're actually safe 
because you start to feel like you, you you know this place. You start to feel like you've got a read on it, and then things can be done that kind of pull that that rug out yeah. from underneath you once again. Yeah, well, I think it's yeah that's clever because like it feels like one, as once uh, at some point the house the mansion feels like it's becoming a friend, all not not a friend, but like becoming uh, safer, I guess, because you're more familiar with it. Um, but, but you can always... use your knowledge of its layout to your advantage yeah. in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, just yeah. even just to get from one place to another in the most efficient way. But yeah, yeah. but it, but it always it always reminds you that it's not a friends that it, mm. that it, uh, you know they will always put something or something else will very frequently come up that just flips just very well very obviously I suppose very like in your face like a dog coming through the window or whatever. Mm. But it's amazing how much of an impact just that one enemy change can have Mm -hmm. on not just that moment but like every time you then go back through then or or like any time you see that same camera angle again you've made that link in your mind it puts you on edge yeah and and like the trap rooms as well you go you know you've been used to going through i don't know how many rooms exactly it is that you go through as jill before you end up in a trap room that tries to kill you uh but it's it's not many and so you but it's enough that you've kind of got used to okay i'm you know i'm walking through these spaces you go into a trap room and that then sets you up for the rest of the game to be just slightly wary of i don't know maybe i don't want to pick this crest off the wall maybe if i do pick this crest off the wall i need to be ready for something to happen for something to trigger uh because this isn't just a benign space it's actually uh in some way malevolent and it's going to yeah. try and kill me where i stand well yeah and i think the the corridor sort of design um adds to that because you know that if something happens here uh it's going to be a pain to avoid it like you you can only really go backwards and forwards there's no like much, there's not much freedom in the last if you're already movement. on low health yeah, yeah so you start so, hugging the walls or something yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so what do you do do you try to risk it and hug the wall and run past whatever it is that's come or do you just backtrack uh like turn around and retreat um mm. and then try to come back later but you know at some point you're going to have to go through there like there's not well not yeah. always there might be another route around but if you haven't got all the keys you need for example or whatever then you know that you will have to go back through there so that yeah. that corridor design um sort of adds... it just makes you, it keeps you engaged i think doesn't it because even if they don't ever spring that gotcha even if they only use it once and they don't do it again you're thinking about it you're moving yeah, yeah, and sure. you're very deliberately engaged with that and you're worrying about it and you're you're playing the game in your head as much as you are yeah yeah with, with which is a core which is a core element of of horror isn't it like whether that's mm. horror game horror book mm. horror or a movie whatever like the fear and the questions that you can create in your mind are more personal and more powerful and more impactful than anything that the game can just overtly show you through a visual or a jump scare or a sound effect or whatever like that feeling that oh god like i i i don't know what's down there is much more scary that's much scarier than i know exactly what's down there and i know exactly what i'm gonna face like the the unknown is much scarier and i suppose that adds that sort of feedback to the doors at the start like it's scary not knowing what's behind those doors that the doors don't have any windows that you can't you know you can't get any sense of what might be there um <clears throat> yeah you you just make leaps as to what's there and on and it's both simultaneously 
uh, a positive leap and a negative one, I suppose, in that uh, there's going to be positive rewards, presumably. There's going to be things that are going to help you, things that are going to help you progress through that door. But there's also going to be like, you know, what, what, what challenges am I going to face through there? Is it going to be three zombies? Is it going to be some new kind of zombie? Is it going to be, uh, you know, the ceiling that's going to crush me or whatever? Yeah, um, and I think yeah, and that, but and the, I think the, that use of like that mystery combined with the the there's like a cavernous sense to even the most basic of rooms, like the dining room. As soon as you go into the mansion, the room on your left, I believe it is, the dining room is we understand it to be a dining room. We understand the purpose of it. There's a table, there's chairs, you know, maybe it's not an, an everyday room that it would be used for eating, but there, that is what takes place at some point or has done in the past at some point in this room. But the proportions of it are weird in, in how big it is. I think we're, we're quite used to, particularly when playing video games, you assess a space visually quite quickly like if you're playing an uncharted game or any other given sort of uh game that you're directed through you progress to a space and you have a fairly good understanding instinctively that i'm going to be fighting here like there's cover there's like it's there's multiple routes in and out and in resident evil the size of the rooms doesn't tell you anything it's kind of misleading and so you can't you don't have that extra bit of information to use to am i safe am i not so oh, yeah there's not going to be anything here and in a game where combined with this like notion of making some of the walkways or some of the corridors particularly narrow or just narrower it's you don't know where you're going to be uh encountering those threats either so you might be in a huge room but there might be a choke point that you have to get, go up a staircase and go along a particular walkway. And it's there that you're going to encounter an enemy. And so you, there's this constant being on edge because you're not necessarily able to accurately read the game space based on what it looks like, which I think we're very used to doing. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. And I wonder if, I wonder if nowadays there's a school of thought that would say that that's bad design because you're not giving the player enough information so that they can like preempt and feel fairly uh engaged with uh and not surprised like you know oh i just got i just got attacked mm. out of the blue i didn't see that coming like the game's yeah. really unfair like how am i supposed to it's unf- deal yeah with that, that notion of it being unfair yeah absolutely um, yeah. yeah a lot of a lot of games do that. I, I suppose um yeah the rooms the rooms being different sizes but not being able to give away what they hold kind of plays into like you can't get a read you can't there's not a lot from the mansion that i think you can kind of pull on to make it feel like uh there's there's any degree of sort of comfort to take from it again apart from the safe rooms like and I think as well, just just aesthetically, the fact that it's so richly decorated, the fact that it's so grand, the fact that it's like you know clearly some sort of um, millionaire, like in the UK, mm. it would be like some sort of royal residence or some yeah. sort of protected yeah. building or whatever that people wouldn't actually live there. It's not a new place, um, is it? It's been handed down and it's been yeah, it's been around for generations. Yeah, it's and, like some yeah. hereditary wealth. Fund yes. that owns yeah. this thing, and you know, but that that grandeur sort of makes it seem 
impersonal to the point of like it's kind of it's above you like it's mm-hmm. it's superior to you it doesn't care nothing for you yeah, yeah it doesn't absolutely. care about your yeah. emotions it doesn't care about the issues that you're going through it doesn't care that there's zombies wandering around that's going to tear <laughs> you up like it doesn't it doesn't do much of anything to kind of help you in that and it, it's always sitting on that pedestal above you looking down on you um almost as though like it itself is like the creator of this game yeah. this sadistic game that it's like you yeah. know, it is jigsaw in the saw movies like yeah. personified. like it is um yeah, it, yeah it's, it's kind of indifferent bearing... to what happens within it it's like I've, it's yeah there's like an, a characterization element of i've been here for a long time and i'll be here for a long time after this and what is happening right now is just the latest chapter yeah. in yeah and it's almost like it's taking sadistic pleasure from it as well by telling you right you have to go back through this area now that that i didn't (laughs) that uh that i threw this thing at you last time or this this is the last place you know uh, in order to get to uh x location that you that is the only place you haven't explored yet and there's these three ways of going there but all of them have these you know pretty serious dangers Mm. to to overcome like i guess it's um you don't have like full choice in it do you you don't mm. have full agency as no, to where to go like it's not like okay now i'm free to just go anywhere i want in the house and i'll do whatever i want like you do have agency in the sense of okay here's three objectives like there might be i need to open this door i've got to put that gem in somewhere and then this emblem fits in this recess somewhere and you have agency in the sense that you can often not always but often choose which order you want to do those things in but at the end of the day those are the things that you have to do that there's no like i will just go and do whatever i want well no you can't there are these things you have to do here so there is a sense of linearity to it even though it's not what we typically call linear design um there is a sense of linearity to it in that your objectives are always the same as everyone else's and I would also argue that the way that you go about solving them is even even in a simpler case is getting how do I get from A to B? I have the key and there's a door over there on the other side of the mansion. Now, how do I get over there? Mm. And you could be, you know, I think the prevailing opinion is that you can go, you can do anything you want in order to get there. There's There's 10 routes to get there and you're free to take any 10 of them. I would argue that's probably not true because the game puts limitations on you that force your hands, really. So it puts, yeah. so you don't want to get injured. So, and there'll be zombies in certain areas. So that's going to lock off, say, five of those routes immediately. You want to be efficient with your gear, with your ammo, with uh, your ink ribbons, whatever. Um, so that's going to lock off some more routes. You might want to go to a safe room on the way, or you might want to go there to actually use an ink ribbon or to swap out your gear or whatever at the, in the chest. So that's going to lock out some more. So you're probably down to one or maybe two paths as to how to go there. Um, so actually, if you're playing the game with thoughts, with understanding and like reading your surroundings, there probably isn't a choice, really. Mm. The the obvious decision will come to you. But I think the important thing isn't to pretend that the player has agency, that they can go and do whatever they want. It's um it's to make them feel like they can still make an informed decision. Yeah. That they have autonomy over what decision they make. Even if the choice even if there's only one obvious choice, the important thing is to make it make the player feel like they've come to that decision 
And even if there's only one, it's the best decision. So they're going to go with it. Like yeah. it's, not... it's the best decision out of yeah out of several choices that that can be made. And then it's at that point that that allows you as a designer to then spring those surprises on the player that has gone the most, uh, or the, the what could be the, most logical. the best route, yeah. the most logical route. And that's when you then get surprised by something else. And that's a, yeah, it's a, there's a multitude. I, I think that, that notion of, um, having all the locked doors, just to circle back to something that you said a little while ago, the, having lots of locked doors, but that you're probably going to have to encounter them in either a certain order or at the very least, maybe you get a key that opens two doors at the same time and you get to choose. Okay, great. But by having those different levels of, of locked doors and that a certain amount of linearity in that, you, I think the psychological effect of that is that you feel like you are progressing deeper into this thing. You're going through different levels of, of gated, um, of gated locations and you're getting into the you know you're kind of progressing from the outer to the inner there's like this inner yeah. sanctum kind of idea yeah, you're going you're, into the yeah. belly of the beast almost. yeah exactly yeah and that is i mean that's the well we won't touch on too much on it there isn't evil two stuff because i think there's probably a whole whole podcast that could be done for every single um resident evil game but the very there's a very distinct similarity there between the mansion in resident evil one and the police station in resident evil two for me because that has a similar thing of this stateliness this idea of like this um Mm. this cold impartial like i don't care who you are and in both cases for me there's a subversion of your expectation but also of your understanding of what those spaces are what they're meant to represent and in the one case it's a mansion which however however imposing and grand it is at some time or another that was a home and presumably the the uh, the expectation is i think that that was built as a home and has been a family home and Mm. that becomes that is then kind of perverted with all of the things that have gone on since and similarly with the police station it's like that's the bastion of bastion of order that you would run to in some sort of disastrous cataclysm like has happened to raccoon city and then that is subverted because, yeah, the police there are trying yeah. to eat you and actually, the uh, chief is nuts. Yeah, it's actually the most corrupt place before it yeah. all was kicked off. And, and now yeah, but... it was rotten Yeah, from the inside out even before that. And so, yeah, those uh, that's an important point for how I feel when I'm playing both of those games, that it's... I don't delib- you know, I don't sit there really like thinking about, oh, it, it makes me shudder that this was once a home and oh look at what they've done to it. It's not that, it's just that playing on the expectation and your understanding of far more than if you were storming a you know, far more than if you came at it from the other direction, I suppose. If you came into the lab bit and then you came up through oh and oh and there's a home here as well. It's like that's that's a very different type of um scene setting and a very different like expectation to set. And a very you feel a very different yeah. way. So um yeah, I think those those kinds of that again, that subversion of expectation I think is part of its part of its strength and part of why it remains so iconic and so memorable because of everything they do yeah. having well, set up the kind of place this is meant to be. Yeah, for sure. So do you because I remember, well, actually, I don't know if I do explicitly remember playing the first Resident Evil when I first played it because I first played it when I was like 12 years old. So obviously I shouldn't have been playing it based on the age rating. <laughs> I do remember. Yeah, I remember a bit more. I was a bit older. <laughs> but um, 
but do you remember because i remember resident evil 2 and the location and the police station in particular resident evil 2 um <clears throat> you know when i first played it in the 90s when i was a lot younger um standing out to me much more than the mansion in resident evil 1 being much more memorable now, now that might have been because i was that bit mm. older when i played resident evil 2 so i was more aware of things i was picking up more but since then playing the remakes um whilst i love resident evil 2 remake and it would be the one that i would definitely play more often than the resident evil 1 remake mm-hmm. um i think i've switched opinion now and actually location wise the mansion in resident evil 1 is more impactful and more interesting than the police station in resident evil two even though i obviously love that location as well um so it's kind of flipped on me i suppose from the ps1 originals to the remakes but is what is that the way that you think about it what's what um well so mine's mine's slightly biased by the fact than the other well i mean certainly the mansion for me is more memorable but that is biased by the fact that i uh back in the day had an nintendo 64 and didn't have a playstation one for quite a while but i swapped this was in the days when you know with a friend i swapped a console i swapped my nintendo 64 and whatever games i had for that uh on a loan period not permanently but with a friend who had a playstation and resident evil and tomb raider and so i played resident evil a lot the original game you know i I kind of i didn't know i was doing it at the time but i i did some speed running or, or certainly some challenges of like yeah try and complete it with only using I don't know, six ink ribbons or less or something like that. So I played and explored that mansion a lot more because I had that machine for a certain amount of time. And that was one of the few games I had on it to play. Uh, I played that a lot more than I did Resident Evil 2. So I remember 2 fondly and I I remember playing it at the time. But yeah, 1 is, 1, there is that kind of, um, yeah, just, just familiarity bias for me because I played it a lot more. And so it's, it's memorable. I think it remains memorable, but it is for me specifically. It's a there's a kind of a, a repetition element there because I went through that mansion a lot. Um, so yeah, it has remained. Yeah, for me, it's remained kind of the probably the the pinnacle of the series. Not in terms of a best or anything like that, but just in terms of the most memorable, my favourite, um, and for everything that it meant at the time. And yeah, like you said at the beginning, for how for in in relation to what else was out there at the time and had been done at that point it was yeah it's kind of it had impact then as and has stayed with me for uh 20 something years nearly 25 years um yeah. well it's yeah. interesting how it has become so and i suppose so memorable and i suppose that it speaks up clearly to the quality of its design in that mm. when the remake comes out and the at least you know the Resident Evil One remake is very true to this literally a remake. Uh, it's a re you know master. Just like an re-release. update, yeah. It's not the same as the Resident <clears throat> Evil Two remake, is it? It's no, two and three were genuinely like overhauls, like sort of yeah. take, take the design document and build from there rather than take the game, <clears throat> the original game, and remake it. Um, yeah. But it speaks to the original's quality that when you play through that Resident Evil One remake remaster like yeah it feels old-fashioned it feels kind of outdated in a lot of ways but it's not not in a bad way like it feels classic you know it doesn't Mm, feel mm -hmm. like oh this is irritating this is this is uh a bit you know obtuse or whatever like it's um 
it yeah. feels it feels it's still the test of time better than Tomb Raider has, for example, the oh, original yeah. Tomb Raider, way, which way I more. also had at the, t- the same time. I had that, and I and I loved. I mean, I absolutely loved loved and loved Tomb Raider, but yeah, it doesn't it doesn't stand up it, on a very basic level. It's like when there are very stylized visuals in something, and it's not just trying to use the latest. Star Wars is the obvious example, isn't it? Where it's like we're using physical models in the original trilogy and they stand up an awful lot better visually. I don't mean in any other way, like the comparisons are obvious, but visually they stand up better than the prequel trilogy because that was very CGI heavy. It's very of the time, which and it, yeah. I'm sure probably looked great at the time, but it doesn't take long for that to age. Whereas yeah. the, yeah, the stylized, the, the, yeah, it stands up a lot better. And that's, I think, what's happened with Resident Evil. Those stylistic choices have, have made it stand up a lot better than a fully 3D game like yeah. Tomb Raider. Yeah, and especially the mansion as well. Like the man, the, just uh, you know to bring it, make it more relevant. The final thought for the mansion, there's no mansion episode. Like it, it um, <laughs> like the design of the mansion is great. Like the design of the mansion is still is you know it feels it feels like a you go back and play it there's a lot of similarities between it and like high quality metroidvania games like ori and the black mm-hmm. forest hollow knight that sort of stuff like huge amount of similarities between how the resident evil mansion was designed and how those um <clears throat> those games are mm. are designs and uh yeah like when you're playing through it like yeah it just still retains that everything that is I suppose it's one of those one of those classic games where everything that is promised about it and everything where people say like, oh, this is great, like this is amazing, like it really mm. it still is now. Mm. Like you don't have to. Well, I don't know. I don't know because I don't speak from experience, but um, I would say uh, that you don't need to have been around and playing games when that original came out in order to appreciate the quality of that level design now. There you have it, Resident Evil 1's Mansion. Now, don't forget that next week's podcast will be a discussion of the game as a whole in celebration of its 25th anniversary, so do make sure you're subscribed so as not to miss out. Do also come check us out on Twitter. We are at Indie by Design. We are also at Indie by Design on all other social media platforms. And also visit our website, IndieByDesign.net, to check out the books we've made. Pre-orders are right now still open for 20 Double Fine Years, which is our tome celebrating the art, culture, and history of Double Fine Productions. That includes all of the Tim Schafer games, Psychonauts 1 and 2, Brutal Legend, Grim Fandango, Day of the Tentacle, Full Throttle, Broken Age, as well as the studio's wider work, not least Stacking, Costume Quest, and The Cave. That's available at IndieByDesign.net. And really, do check it out. We've had incredible access from Double Fine. We've got tens of hours of original interviews. We've got unlimited access to the art archives. And we're really proud of what we've done. So do come check it out and see if you're interested. Otherwise, thanks for listening and we'll see you again next week.